This podcast is a member of the Red 5 Network. For more Red 5 Network podcasts and content creators, visit bio.link slash red5. Hey folks, this is Sean from Extra Star Wars, and you're about to embark on another episode of the Scarif Scuttlebutt Podcast. Okay, folks, and welcome to another awesome episode of the Scare of Scuttlebutt podcast. I am your friendly neighborhood, Ro, and if you stumbled onto the show, don't touch that dial, as they say in my uh, in my uh, neck of the woods. You won't regret it, and if you're tuning back in on a regular, big thanks to you. You are doing your part to spread peace throughout the galaxy, and the galaxy thanks you. So thank you very much. All right, so you heard her on the show a few weeks ago. We talked about Star Trek, the other white meat, as I like to say. I enjoyed my discussion with Jesse from Crusher Convo, so much that I brought her back. Absolutely. Please welcome Jesse to the Snitadel. What is up, Jesse? Hello, Ro. How are you doing? Fantastic. Um, we had such a really great time talking about Star Trek and Star Wars uh, on uh, was it two weeks ago. Yeah. Um, so, you know, that previous show, as I mentioned, we discussed being fans of both Star Wars and Star Trek. And one thing that we did find out as fans is that uh, they're both kind of cool. We all know that. <laughs> and it's uh, it's pretty awesome to be a geek, isn't it? It's very awesome to be a geek. Yes. Um, I, I think one thing, though, I, I did learn is that uh, I, I guess I don't know Star Wars as I thought I did, but it's fine. <laughs> it's fine. It's fine. We, we gave mean, you a pass. You know, I will say knowing droids is like asking me what the, the, the class ships in Star Trek. I won't be able to do it. So I at least have that in common. Oh, that's interesting. So the <laughs> uh, the original series uh, Enterprise, what class uh, of uh, ship is that? Do you know? Oh, that's the Constitution. There you pack. go. <laughs> I know, you Constitution know that. and yeah. Galaxy. That's it. That's it. <laughs> as All far right. as I go. That's too funny. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> um, you know, we um we, we we obviously we talked about both star franchises and one of them mm -hmm. is, uh, you know, people really talk about Star Wars as, as science fantasy and Star Trek is a little bit more science fiction. Um, right. we, we talked about that, didn't we? We, we agreed on, on, on that, right? Yeah, I it's, mean, you know, uh, George Lucas would call it space opera, right? Yeah, yeah, for there sure. There was always that just different way of how the stories are being told. So that's why it's, uh, you know, Star Trek is like a, a Flash Gordon kind of you know, science fiction, while the other one's just very, in my time growing up, more of a soap opera kind of right, story, sure. you know. Dysfunctional. They, died, but they come yeah. back, yeah. yeah. Dysfunctional <laughs> space families. Yeah. Oh, I had a yeah. child. I didn't realize it. You know, things like that. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Very, uh, very soap opera-ish. But uh, mm -hmm. yeah, before we get into the main topic, I wanted to give you a warm up question. And don't worry, it has nothing to do with medical droids. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> or droids of any kind. Droids of any kind, no. <laughs> um, no, I wanted to dive deep into what makes science fiction a genre that has lasted as long as it has. Why do we keep coming back to that? Well, that's a deep question. Yeah, and that's, that's how we do right. it. That's how we do it <laughs> and, here at the Scare of Scuttlebutt Podcast. And I am not the right person to ask this, but I think for me, what makes it interesting is that people like to know stories of the unknown. Okay. So, you know, we don't know much about space, right? Mm. And so there is a, 
a wide variety of imagination of what could be out there. Are there aliens? Are there not? What are the galaxies like? You know, the black hole, like all this kind of stuff that keeps people intrigued and want to know more. And of course, like for me, I love to write. I love to tell stories as well as a bunch of stuff. I, I have a lot of hobbies. I, have, I wear a lot of hats, but I like to just get into the stuff that, you know, we normally don't see day to day in reality. Right. And yeah. I think I even said in our last episode was people like to have that escape and that's kind of what science fiction does. It's not reality. They want to escape from reality. They want something different. So I think that's probably why. I hope that was a good answer. But no, that's I a think fantastic that- answer. <laughs> and you know what? Didn't mean to go so philosophical. No, on you, absolutely. <laughs> and that's what I was looking for, actually. And you know, and I would actually counter that. Um, so you're saying that it's the unknown, and I mm-hmm. actually would would counter that and and. Um, and push back a little bit and say that science fiction is almost a a, a case study on the very well known when it comes to human nature, when it comes to society. Right. I think you know, you know, I always talk about how you know really good science fiction puts a a, a magnifying glass on on our society with the stories it tells. Um, you know, mm-hmm. think of uh, think of some of the really great you know, Star Trek episodes of any era. And you, Mm -hmm. you, you really get uh, a nice lesson into, you know, how we work as, as humans. Obviously you've got the whole data Spock situation going where they really want to, you know, become human or at least understand what it's like to be human uh, in the case of data. So it's, uh, it's interesting because it is, it is kind of twofold. I mean, obviously you've got the, uh, the imaginative aspect of the unknown in science fiction, but you also have the, uh, the character studies of the the, human aspects, right. The human aspects. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So it's, it's, it's really fascinating. What are your, what are some of your personal aspects of science fiction that that you personally find fascinating? Oh boy. <laughs> Another deep question. You're, you're, I think you're, I'm like, going, you're like, hold my beer. Hold my, <laughs> <laughs> hold my water bottle. That's what I have right here. <laughs> I'm going to probably use Beverly Crusher as a good example for this. Okay. And I think it's because she kind of popped in my head as you were talking about the human aspect of it all, you know, Yes, like Data, for instance, he wanted to be as human as possible because he was an android. He was programmed to be that that certain way. Something about Beverly Crusher was the fact that she represented those human qualities. Um, you know, the the compassion, the caring, the empathy, um, loving everybody. It, you know, she was a doctor, so the do no harm, mm-hmm. you know, aspect of it all. So when you see something like in any science fiction, when you see something of conflict or, you know, unknown situations or whatever, you always have to have that human quality of like to pull you in. And I don't know, I guess you could say show that deeper self, you know, something that you can connect to with the characters. I think that's something important because. I think in a lot of people, especially with Star Trek, they connect with these characters because they could see themselves in those characters. Yeah, absolutely. So it's and and you could also learn from it, weirdly enough, because as much as these characters are fictional, you're watching them go through something like, oh, you know, that's similar to something I went through. And, you know, maybe I could do that. 
you know, or like, for instance, I was a single mom, Beverly Crusher represented single moms. I could be a single mom and have a career and do, you know, just that kind of stuff, I think is what, for me, I like to just be able to connect with those characters and be able to, you know, root for them and, you know, hope for a better future as Star Trek is. Sure. What it's what it's about, right? Yeah, and that's interesting because that has nothing to do with unknown space anomalies. It uh, <laughs> it goes True. back, yeah. yeah. But um, yeah, I mean, you know, with Star Wars, it's uh, it's that um, that human element that uh, what do you call it the uh, the the hero's journey, and I think yes. you know, we we all have a little bit of that yearning to see how our hero's journey is going to turn out, mm-hmm. and you know, science fiction is, uh, you know, it's. It's set in in an environment where it's vast and and mysterious and unknown, and I mm-hmm. think that is a good um, uh, metaphor for the adventures that we take upon ourselves when we live, you know, a, a, right. our, our daily lives. Right. Um, so yeah, I mean that that's pretty cool. Um, you know, I, I almost feel like the, the there's so much. I, I, I mentioned that uh, it's great to be a nerd. It's awesome to be geeky. <laughs> Um, and I feel like the studios have discovered that science fiction fans have um, have money now because we, obviously we're older. We have uh, what do you call it? We have a little bit more of a, of a disposable income, more so than <laughs> when we were younger. Right? True, very true. Um, yeah. But it seems like there's like there's sci-fi everywhere, or at least there seems to be more sci-fi fans running amok. Um, I don't know if you remember when we we were ridiculed for being sci-fi fans and and now everybody wants to be a cool kid like, like us. Mm -hmm. What do you, what do you think about that? (laughs) Times have changed, right? Right. (laughs) Well, like I had said last time, you know, my husband, he was a closet Star Trek fan, right? But because not many people were into Star Trek. Back then, even though Star Trek was everywhere between 87 and 2004. I don't know. I Again, I think it's just one of those things of people are starting to realize that it's not just a Flash Gordon type of thing. Mm-hmm. That there's more to it. Almost kind of like how back in comic book times, right? So Superman was at 1938. It came out. It was a comic book. And here it's like, all right, here's the superhero. He's, you know saving people and all this stuff. And then of course, Batman comes out later, but he's more human and he's a vigilante and there's a difference to that story. And, but you know, you go to the TV shows, especially Batman, it's kind of making fun of it, right? It's like the pow, but you know, right, well, you know, right. it's a little camp- weird, right? But it yeah, was a, right. the campiness is the sixties. So Star Trek, <laughs> um, <laughs> but as time went on, it was like, Oh wait, there is an actual audience that enjoys this. And that's what happened with Star Trek when they were getting canceled and fans chimed in like, no, we want a third season. And they got the third season. Look what happened with Gates McFadden. She gets fired and after season one, fans chime in and she comes back for season three. So we were always there. Sci-fi was always a big deal. Sure. I just don't think we had more of an outlet to voice all that. Mm. Now that there's social media and YouTube and we're all like – we're all together now, yeah, sure. <laughs> you know, like we're in two different time zones and we're able to talk about sci-fi, but we never would have been able to do that because we didn't have this kind of outlet. Sure. So, 
I think that makes a big difference. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, uh, speaking of the uh, the way that people communicated, especially to the studios, I mean, you know, the letter writing campaign for the original Star Trek, um, mm-hmm. you know, if it weren't for for those letters, if it weren't for those fans um, and, you know, in, in 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 a small part, if it weren't for Star Wars after 1977, that uh, Star Trek, the motion picture would probably not have been even thought of. Right. Um, so. Yeah, you know, um, back in the day, uh, you know, besides uh, AOL and CompuServe, we had people <laughs> we had people writing letters to the studios. Imagine that. I know, right? And it's funny because I remember when AOL came out and we were doing chat rooms. I mean, I was in middle school at the time, but I felt seen. Seeing all you know, these other people that were in different states loving it was it was a Xena chat room because I was into Xena at the time, <laughs> and it was like you love Xena, I love Xena because I knew nobody who likes Xena, so <laughs> it was so cool to know that there was other people like me out there. Sure, yeah. So yeah, yeah. Social media definitely a double edged uh, sword, as they say, but um, you know you uh, you get out what you put in, so yes, it's a lot of fun. You know, you mentioned the human qualities and the human condition when it comes to the stories of of uh, of Star Trek that you love. Um, you know, the original series had the trio Kirk, Bones, and Spock. That mm-hmm. I think they they represented one aspect of of our. Um, adventurous spirit humanity's adventurous spirit right um who would uh who would you equate that to in the next generation so i could tell you what they planned on the trio and what i think came out i do know that gene roddenberry wanted it to be definitely a picard Riker, and data those were his main three and then everyone else was just kind of behind the scenes right i want to I want to say that it was really a Picard, Data, and Beverly. And the reason why I say that is just because Data was the one trying to be more human, right? Picard was the philosophical, um, you know, head on his shoulder captain. And then, like I said earlier, Beverly represented that compassionate side of of everybody. But it's kind of hard because they all played a role when the original Star Trek didn't right you know, as much as you know as much as you like Uhura was very important and Chekhov and um and even Chapel ish <laughs> I think for me they each represented it was more of the fantastic seven eight or nine depending on what season you're watching right. versus just the main three and the background characters so I think originally Gene's vision was going to be a, a, a main three but I feel like they all had played a part in it just to tell that story of the next generation. So um, it's kind of hard to pick the three. I mean, I would think that it would be Picard, Data, and Beverly, but like I said, they wouldn't be those characters without Riker, without Troy, or without Jordy, and even Wesley and Tasha. So a little hard to say. (laughs) Yeah, and since you're on a uh, Beverly Crusher podcast, you're quite on brand (laughs) I try. I try. It is definitely like alcohol intoxication. The same lack of good judgment. For example, right now, I find you extremely, extremely. Of course, we haven't time for that sort of thing. What sort of thing? (laughs) 
Hey, friends, just a quick reminder. If you enjoy our content and don't want to commit to a Patreon tier, you can show your love in other ways. Oh, yeah. Of course, you can take advantage of our merchandise store at TeePublic, where we've got cool designs from all across the Red 5 network. Look for sale announcements and save up to 30 to 35% on all our merchandise. Oh, nice. And there's also a very convenient way to help support the channel. As you know, coffee is our friend. It keeps us going. You can show your appreciation by heading over to buymeacoffee.com slash Scarif. Buymeacoffee.com slash Scarif. Any amount starting at five bucks, a one-time treat for us to help with all the stuff it takes to maintain the quality you deserve. And remember, it's always sunny on Scarif. And that's the scuttlebutt. And pass the cream, please. All right, so our main topic has to do with a list, and um, I had a uh, a little bit of a difficult time um, on our list. Our top five science fiction movie soundtracks. Wow, mm-hmm. that that is uh, quite uh, a list. Quite, uh, quite a list. <laughs> um, yeah. So George Lucas has said, and just to remind you, Jesse, he's the guy that created Star Wars. Okay, just oh, to, really? to let okay. you know. Okay. Oh, good. So, okay. <laughs> I had oh, a feeling, but I wasn't sure. No. Lucas has always said that these Star Wars films could function as silent films to a certain degree. The soundtrack conveys emotion and character onto itself. Um, would you agree with that statement, Jesse? I do, because I feel like it's interesting that he says that it could be a silent film and I feel like it, it's, it's only like half the movie. Like music is the other half. If you didn't oh, have I'm, the music, yeah, yeah you, you're just watching the characters, but you're not really, what's the word I'm looking for? Like it's, it's, it's like that, that in-depth feeling of it. You I know, mean, like the, the music they, helps you invoke emotion. Exactly. Yeah. Like when Vader's coming out and he's just walking, you're like, all right, well, there's a dude walking, right. but you hear the music and you're like, oh, this is a scary dude. Right, <laughs> so, exactly. You know, you, you change your pers- you know, perception of it. So I think definitely the soundtrack is what invokes, like you said, that emotion and makes the movie whole. Yes. And it's not even just, I actually have one that's not a movie <laughs> on here. Because it was so important to the the story and what I like about and, and the, the choices that I made, if I could hear the music and I could hear like it's telling the story without yes. even me watching it, I feel like that's the most powerful part. That is amazing. Yeah. I mean, there are certain beats in music where, you know, if we're not watching the music or the movie, we're listening to the music. We know who's on screen. We know yep. what they're saying, what they're mm-hmm. feeling even. Mm-hmm. It's it's uh, it's one aspect of watching movies that you're right. It's half the experience. Yes. I think, um, you know, when when a film is is coupled with a, a, a genius performance of, of the the music composition, the scoring, um, mm-hmm. it definitely completes the big picture. Um, right. You know, we've got uh, we've got a couple of different uh, music composers on our list, of course, being science fiction fans. Um, but each one has, uh, you know, ha- his or her particular style. But it's uh, it's amazing because the the end goal really is to uh, to convey uh, emotion um, in mm-hmm. either that scene or the entire movie. It's um, it's fantastic. I have a question. When you watch a movie, any movie, what makes a soundtrack stand out for you? Ooh. 
Oh, this is a tough one because music is my thing. And I, and I think I told you that in, uh, in our, <laughs> in our message, um, I was all like, you're going to hear me geek out about music. Absolutely. I'm looking forward to it. I know. So here's, here's my thought. For instance, John Williams, right? Just mm-hmm. to, you know, the goat. <laughs> I was going to say, you know, the middle of the road guy. No, John Williams. Yes. The goat. My favorite movie is Jaws. Okay. And I remember just in the beginning of the movie, it's literally just a camera in the water going through, right? But you're hearing that soundtrack and you're already getting scared. Yes. <laughs> you don't even know what you're waiting for and you're already getting. If a music pulls you in, it's going to be good. Right. Same with the Jurassic Park. Yeah. Same with Superman. Say, I mean, even Harry Potter. Like you, And you could hear it and you know. That's that. That's this movie. That's that section. Sure. It's just, like I said, it's just, yeah, it has to pull me in. It has to get me engaged. And music can do that, especially if you're, it's like a a, a good scene or a good opener, like Jaws is. Such a simple thing. Right. And you're already like, my mom was 16 when she saw it in the theater. She said the first thing she remembers, she was already hanging onto her seat because she was afraid what was about to pop out. So. Absolutely. It has to, yeah, it just has to pull you in. That's what I'm looking for. Yeah, and like I said, you know, we're uh, we're going to mention a couple of different composers, but you're right. John Williams, in particular, has a certain skill that yeah. um, that is not just you know scoring or accompanying a, a, a movie's uh, music, but he's uh, it's almost like he's authoring another character and embedding it in that movie. Yeah. There's um, no, that's very true. Yeah, I mean, John Williams, he definitely has that talent. I mean, you know, there are other very, very talented composers on our list, I'm sure, mm-hmm. but there is just something about John Williams. And you know, I, I didn't want to um, to completely fill my top five science fiction movie soundtracks <laughs> just with all John Williams music. I know. <laughs> um, I think we have to just qualify to say that you know John Williams is the goat, and no matter mm-hmm. what, who is on your list, I'm sure. You know, John Williams, one of his movies, uh, movie scores is going to be on your list anyway. So, yeah. And I think even some of these, I think one particular composer that I'm going to be mentioning here was like um, inspired by John Williams. And he felt that how John started this whole, you know, this whole thing is how he was able to. Oh, well, I could do that, too. And he was able to put it in. So. Okay, interesting. I'm trying to remember which one it was. I'm going to have to (laughs) – I didn't get to write that down. But, I mean, John kind of paved the way. There we go. Paved the way for for a lot of these composers to do their best. Absolutely. All right. So we, um, you know, I, I obviously I, I promoted this episode. I promoted the fact that we were going to get together tonight and record um, over the last couple of days. I've had some followers uh, chime in on their some of their favorite uh, science fiction uh, soundtracks. And I wanted to read a couple before we get into ours. Um, follower Zero PL has a nice little list and I'm sure there's going to be a lot of crossover in, in both of our lists um, because these are really great uh, selections. He's got Blade Runner, Star Mm -hmm. Trek, and I'm assuming the motion picture back to the future ET 
The Empire Strikes Back. And he says, if those movies don't fit with sci-fi parameters, I choose Alien and The Black Hole. What do you think of those? Yeah. Those are pretty good. Like you said, little crossover. Little crossover. <laughs> Absolutely. Yes. So I guess you could already tell what uh, how I feel about that. Yep, place. yep. All right. So uh, since uh, since you did mention that, because I, I too have a little bit of a crossover with, uh, with that list, why don't we go – and uh, start with you, Jesse. What would be your uh, one of your top fives? We can go five to one. Uh, okay. But what is your what's at the bottom of your list? The bottom of my list. OK, so when you and I first thought this up to create this, you know, sci fi uh, soundtrack list. First thing that came to mind was Blade Runner. But it wasn't just Blade Runner. It was how, and I even asked my husband. He instantly, he, I think it's a uh, Vangelis. Is Vange that them? Vangelis. Yeah. Vangelis. Yeah. yeah. He instantly remembered. He was like, "Oh yeah, it's Vangelis." And I was like, "Why aren't you doing podcasts, husband? <laughs> yeah. like, like, why aren't you on here talking about this stuff? These are your people." Um, <laughs> I swear, he knew off the bat. I was like, "I didn't even know that. I was just asking a question." But what I liked about with that original Blade Runner is how uh, the, the, the synthetic of it, you know, making it very futuristic. Sure. Not something that you would normally hear in a lot of soundtracks. And so I liked how they made that change because they didn't really even do that with Alien or, you know, stuff like that. Yeah. But I liked how, and I'm going to do kind of a double here with Blade Runner 2049, mm -hmm. how Hans Zimmer kind of took a little bit of that but then made it more i guess you can say john williams-esque sure yeah right so i love how he you know he took a little bit of the original and he made it his own but it still felt like blade runner yeah absolutely and Hans zimmer does have kind of uh a John Williams esque uh, feel to him. He, uh, yes. you know, there, there are certain composers that that kind of rely on on a certain um, part of the orchestra. You've got, uh, you know, Zimmer really works with with strings a lot. Mm -hmm. I feel, yeah. Um, yeah. you know, Vangelis is, um, you know, uh, another soundtrack that they did was Chariots of Fire. Um, um, and, uh, but yeah, you know, they are very kind of, uh, a little cyberpunk, but it definitely, yes. it definitely fit in with the nature of, of the Blade Runner movie. Um, Correct. absolutely. I've mm -hmm. got, uh, I do have Blade Runner on my list, but, uh, I'll, uh, I'll t let you know where, uh, when we get there. <laughs> absolutely. Awesome. Um, but yeah, that's, uh, that's fantastic. Um, another one of our followers, the Imperial Communique has Flash Gordon, The Black Hole, Star Trek The Motion Picture, 
The Empire Strikes Back, and Crawl. I was going to say, I love how he's separated this. Instead of just saying Star Wars, he specifically said Empire Strikes Back, Well, yeah, Strikes Back, right? yeah so, did, so did our, our first uh, listener. Uh, he said The yeah. Empire Strikes Back. So it is interesting that, uh, you know, so far we've got two uh, mm-hmm. votes for, for The Empire Strikes Back. And again, you know, for me, uh, the Empire Strikes Back is my favorite, not only my favorite Star Wars movie, but it's my favorite movie, period. Um, so I would probably, you know, what I, I would happily agree with uh, anybody yes. that picks that. Um, yeah. All right. So getting into crossover, I, I would like to share with you my uh, number five pick. And um, it it is The Black Hole by oh. John Barry. such an interesting movie we did a uh, an episode devoted to the black hole back i think it was episode 105 and uh we you know we talked about the existentialism of the uh, of the nature of the film and obviously mm-hmm. we talked a little bit about uh you know this was like disney's first foray into science fiction after again after seeing star wars they're mm-hmm. like what do we have that we can do like star wars that you know they had to wait like what <laughs> 17 years but but um <laughs> Um, absolutely. John Barry's score for the black hole. You know, it's um, the movie is very Disney, but it also has a, a, a tinge of darkness, which I think the soundtrack perfectly encapsulates. Uh, have you mm-hmm. seen the movie? I have not. Oh, you've got to. you got okay. to watch it. You really do. But you know what? I bet my husband has. <laughs> yeah, you're right. Husband, where are you? <laughs> You. I'm your people. I swear. <laughs> but um, yeah, it's funny. You know, so far we've got two votes for the Empire Strikes Back and two for the Black Hole. So it's it's interesting how uh, how so that kind of worked out. Yeah, I think they even mentioned uh, the Star Trek motion picture twice yeah. as well. So we got right. a, we got three way tie. And it's funny because you know I was going to add that to my list as well. Um, and oh, actually, I have that on uh, on my list for honorable mention: uh, Star Trek: The Motion Picture, oh, look um, at that. which is cool because I think one of the things that I really remember about the score of that film is the, the this is like the first time that we see Klingons, like new Klingons, um, right. you know, um, the puppy foreheads, right? And all yeah, yeah. The so you you hear. Are. You hear this is the time that you hear the the first Klingon piece of music the so that's really cool Which that was, uh, I want, was it James Horner? Yes, James Horner. Mm hmm. (laughs) 
so um yeah that's on my honorable mention um pretty cool yeah it's uh it's funny you know as we get into more of our followers uh again there is uh there really is a lot of crossover there yeah. um excellent all right what's your next one all right my number four <laughs> star wars shocker oh, shocker what, what is that <laughs> I put OG, which I meant as more because, you know, it's like, which Star Wars? I wanted to really talk. Empire is my favorite movie out of the Star Wars. I mean, it's it's it is the best, in my opinion, story wise and just how how well it flowed. But I want to give a new hope, which, of course, back then it was just Star Wars. I'm glad you remember. <laughs> I, w- I was told because <laughs> right. after I was born, it was a new hope. Um, the thing was, though, is that Prop, uh, props to your husband. <laughs> props to my husband. Yes, <laughs> it's all him. I know all this knowledge is from my husband. No, but what is it? The OG, which is, you know, a new hope is that that's where people got into Star Wars. Right. Was this first movie. So you had to get everyone engaged. You had to get them to like or dislike the characters or really just understand what was going on. And so that's where we get, uh, you know. Oh, my gosh, I can't remember the name of the Vader song. It's something March. Imperial. Ah, thank you. Imperial March. Like you get those kind of story or the music and it you you know it like it's just like that's it. That's Vader. That's how. And then you're like, I want more. Yeah. Which then you get Empire and then you got, you know, Return of the Jedi. So and then you're hearing a little bit of those pieces on the rest of the movies. Right. Because that's what the, the, that music represents was those movies from before. It's 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 you know, you can call them member berries or nostalgia or whatever like that. But it's like, no, it's it's honoring what started and what's continuing. So you have those little pieces in there. But I just wanted to give at least the original Star Wars a mention because that's where it all started. Sure. Absolutely. So, and right. like you said earlier, John is just yeah the goat and He's he knew what he was it. doing. It's yeah. like, seriously, like couldn't be any better. Yeah. And John Williams, you know, he uh, not only just scores specific uh, elements of the film. I mean, he goes off and writes, you know, complete orchestrations and 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 suites. I mean, right. you know, uh, the Imperial March, obviously, you hear a little bit of that, but it branches off as the story com- c- continues. But the soundtrack, the yeah. soundtrack has, you know, the complete, you know, Imperial March suite. Mm-hmm. Um, you've got uh, beautiful renditions of Princess Leia's theme and the Empire yeah. Strikes Back, Yoda's yep. theme. I mean, these are, you know, full orchestral um, you know, storytelling at, at mm-hmm. its best. Um, and yeah. I think, uh, you know, kudos, yeah, for the, uh, to include Star Wars in there obviously makes sense for sure. Um, yeah. Absolutely. I wanted to ask you if uh, off the beaten path, are there any other um, like more modern uh, movies or television shows or even composers that uh, that are on your radar? Oh yes, they're in my they're in my list. 
Okay. <laughs> we will definitely get there. Trust me. I know. I know. I went back all the way to 1980, 82 and 80 and 77, but there, there isn't in, in this century. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah. One of my questions was, well, how far back did you take your list? Um, I wanted, I think that it was Star Wars. Yeah. <laughs> that was the back. And I have to give this props to my mom, actually, because she was the one that introduced my brother and then me into Star Wars. And that's where she had told me later, she was like, it wasn't called A New Hope. It was Star Wars. <laughs> so I was like, okay. <laughs> Good to know. <laughs> Too funny. Uh, All right. So um, I'm going to continue with, uh, with some more follower responses. Uh, Mm -hmm. right after this. All right, folks, I wanted to take a little break and say thank you to all the patrons here at the Scare of Scuttlebutt podcast. You all remind me to make sure that we spit out some good product here from topics to technical. We want to make sure that you are proud of us enough to attach your name to this show. First of all, our executor tier, Scott and Kim of the Use and Abuse podcast, a proud member of the Red 5 family. Make sure to check them out. Visit them in the chat when they go live for fun and shenanigans. And speaking of shenanigans, another wonderful supporter nicholas schaefer mr backyard tardis himself hey he's got a channel adventures in locksmithing and if you think rekeying is all he does well you should watch a few of his videos and prepare yourself for the crazies all right and moving on to our garrison tier big thanks to the frank our resident back to the future expert Log in and say hello. What's up, Frank? Melanie Marquita, big high five to you, my friend. One of my favorite collaborators. We got comics and cosmetics. Danny, her YouTube channel's got the latest nerd news and some awesome tips on comics and cosmetics. Go give her a sub. All right, big shout outs to Alex, the salty nerd himself. Nicole, peace, love, and all fandoms. And someone who brings joy to my timeline, Belinda. So glad you're on this list. I also want to give a special shout out to Vader, Rapina, and Rennie. And of course, Ollie and family. Thank you guys for your support. Thank you, patrons and friends of the podcast. If you're interested in helping to keep the lights on here, get some exclusive Scarab swag, stickers, and my periodic row rant episodes, head on over to patreon.com slash scuttlebutt. Remember, we can't have the scuttle without the butt. We have an incoming transmission from the Scare of Scuttlebutt hotline, Commander, and we can't withstand a voicemail of this magnitude! Hey, Scarif, this is Subtle Deviancy. Just replying to your call, damn it, post. So, num- I won't say these are in order. We'll just say my top ten sci-fi, Star Wars A New Hope, Alien, Blade Runner, Flash Gordon, Close Encounters of the Third Kind, Killer Clowns from Outer Space, Baba Hotep, since I like comedy also, They Live, Star Trek, The Wrath of Khan, because what do we do now, Captain? We die. And finally, The Librarian. That's my whimsical side. Thanks, guys. Hey, Star Wars fans and friends of the podcast, don't forget to leave the guys a voicemail for a chance to be included in the discussion. Let them know what's on your mind. Call 773-234-8659. And that's the Scuttlebutt. 
This is Sentry Mode. You heard that jingle. You know what time it is. It's time for Sentry Mode. And for those of you who are not familiar with Sentry Mode, that is our little segment. I bring a friend in and we uh, do a quick little five-question trivia. And uh, tonight uh, we've got uh, Sean Crummel. Am I saying your last name right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, right? Yeah. Hi. How are you doing, Sean? I'm good. How are you? Fantastic. You are an artist extraordinaire. You've got a channel on. You've got uh, some product. You, uh, you've obviously... Your uh, characters are behind you. Um, I know this is an audio version of the podcast, but uh, tell us a little bit about your projects, your your um, your art, and uh, your channel before we start on our little sentry mode. Uh, the guys behind me are Crum and Knox. Knox is sorry, backwards. <laughs> Knox is a little robot floaty guy. Crum is this guy over here. Uh, it's a project I've been wanting to do for a long time. It's going to be like a cartoony sci-fi comic book that I, I'm working on uh, crowdfunding in the near future. Other than that, I have a YouTube channel where I try to build an audience that will hopefully be interested in buying that comic. And uh, that channel focuses on uh, retro comic reviews where I add silly sound effects and bad voiceovers. And I try to take something from the comic that I can apply to my own, like such as how to draw a particular way or any information that could help me become a better art artist for myself. So Excellent. Excellent. And uh, we will have your uh, channel ID in the show notes on this episode. I know uh, we are uh, talking to Jesse and we're uh, in the middle of our top five soundtrack uh, science fiction soundtrack list, but um, absolutely it's good stuff. And uh, one step at a time, but I'm looking forward to all the crowdfunding and all the uh, announcements that you're going to make in the future. So good luck to you, sir. Thanks. All right. So I know you are a big star Wars fan. Um, is that correct? I believe so. <laughs> um, but uh, th there's a little bit of a caveat there. You are a big star Wars fan, but uh, you are more so a star Wars fan of the original trilogy. Am I correct? Correct. That and right. uh, the old expanded universe stuff, but sure. I, excellent. Excellent. Yeah. So um, that being said, I'm going to tailor your sentry mode questions to Star Wars of yesteryear. First of all, I hope you have fun. And second of all, good luck. I know you were a little nervous earlier uh, this week, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'll probably, uh, it's it's one of those modes where like you, you know the answer until you're put on the spot. And then it's just like, ah, <laughs> oh, what's my name? Yep. Excellent. Excellent. You said you were listening to a, a, a previous century mode and you were yelling at your uh, your speaker because you knew the answer, obviously. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was that uh, that first shot of the teaser trailer for Phantom Menace. I watched that so many times as a kid. Yeah, absolutely. It's funny because, you know, there are certain things, certain little trivia tidbits, uh, especially obviously in Star Wars, that stay in my mind mm -hmm. for whatever reason. And I think that first shot at the moment, you know, I, I usually write jot down these sentry mode questions ahead of time. But for some reason, that shot has always stayed in my mind. And I think I think you're right. It's because we saw the trailer back in 1990, you know, eight, 
you yeah. know, gearing up for 1999 and uh, that uh, that trailer. You know, I, I can't tell you how many times I saw that trailer just to kind of experience Star Wars, you know, on, on the big screen. Uh, it's got great music, too. They do yeah. they bring back some of that John Williams gold and, and that sure. first shot where you just see that creature lumbering out of this fog is wonderful. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. All right. You ready for Century Mode OT edition of Star Wars? Ready? Yes, sir. Question number one. Now, here's here's what I'm going to say again, too. Um, we might start out, you know, easy. Mm-hmm. Um, and then again, you know, I, I know we uh, consistently talk about Star Wars online and we are in a group chat. Um, I, I, I don't know exactly your... I guess your 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 knowledge, um, but I know lately we've been kind of uh, back and forth on Twitter and really kind of uh, reminiscing of uh, some of the old stuff. So, um, looking forward to your answers and uh, good luck, sir. Here we go. Question number one: In Star Wars, whose call sign was Red Five? Luke Skywalker. There you go. In The Empire Strikes Back, while exploring Cloud City, 3PO bumps into a rather rude droid. What does this rude droid say to 3PO? Uh, It's not English. It's like Ichuta. And then 3PO says, how rude. Excellent. There you go. See, I I knew these were easy questions for you. I know some people, uh, I think they're easy, but then they just don't, uh, they they don't get them. All All right, here we go. Question number three. Return of the Jedi features a menagerie of creatures in Jabba's palace. What was the name of the Kowakian monkey lizard Jabba kept close to him? Salacious B. Crumb. There you go. You even got the middle initial. (laughs) Chop chops to you. That is awesome. Question number four. We're going to go back to Star Wars. A little harder now. In a cut scene... Luke is out hanging with his friends at Anchorhead. What nickname does Cammy, Luke's lady friend, use for Luke? Wormy. Wow, Wormy. <laughs> Excellent, man. See, and you were nervous? What are you nervous yeah. for? All right, question number five. <laughs> Uh, our final question in the century mode. What was the cover name for the production of Return of the Jedi? Uh, that would be Blue Harvest. There you go. <laughs> you, I think you are probably uh, the one and only person that has scored a straight 100 in century mode. So uh, wow. you've got bragging rights, my friend. <laughs> I need a trophy or something. Excellent, excellent. I know you. Uh, I, I've been buying a couple of uh, of your stickers online. Um, I think I'm going to send you some of ours uh, from the Scare Scuttlebutt podcast uh, as a thank you and as a prize for uh, scoring a uh, a clean 100 without hesitation. That's uh, that's the kind of Star Wars fan you are, right? Yeah. <laughs> Excellent. Sean, thank you so much for joining me on this segment of Sentry Mode. Why don't you tell people where? Uh, where uh, people can find you uh, my YouTube channel just look for Sean Crummel I should just come right up I'm one of the only people on the planet that has that name except for one other guy which is why I am the real Sean Crummel and it drives me crazy uh, 
You can follow me on Instagram. I'm I'm on there as Real Sean Crummel. You can follow my comic that I hope to crowdfund as the Real Smacked in the Head on Instagram. And I'm pretty much everywhere. Just look for Sean Crummel. Excellent. Excellent. I hope you had fun. Did you have fun? Oh, yeah, it was great. Excellent. All right. Let's get back to the discussion right after this. Top five sci-fi soundtracks with our friend Jesse. We'll be right back. All right. Thank you guys for continuing on this top five science fiction movie soundtrack show with Jesse from Crusher Convo. What's up, Jesse? Hello. I'm doing well today. Excellent. So um, we are going to continue our discussion. Um, you know, we've uh, we've been featuring a couple of um, follower responses to the question regarding what is your favorite top five sci-fi movie soundtracks. We had a lot of people kind of chime in. Um, but, uh, you know, I'm going to read one more and you're, we're going to you know, we're going to keep going with that, uh, that crossover, uh, situation. Um, no Zoop says star Wars, Blade Runner, Thor Ragnarok. And then he stopped at three. He must've not, uh, he doesn't really like, uh, any other movies. <laughs> yeah, that was <laughs> it. Three, three is, is, is enough it. for him. Ragnarok but, um, though. That's a good one. Yeah. That's interesting. I think Ragnarok is probably my least favorite of the, of the MCU movies, movies. Yeah. Oh, how funny. but the music was cool <laughs> i do remember the music very well in that movie just because it was different just because of sure. you know, how the story was going yeah but that's, that's a good one yeah absolutely um all right so my next one is uh probably going to surprise you but um i was kind of like looking i i, I, I didn't want again i didn't want to go with the obvious um mm-hmm. my um my next one is uh, a little movie that Pixar did called Wally. Oh, I love Wally. <laughs> Thomas Newman did the uh, soundtrack, but um, it's it's one of those movies that uh, my son had on repeat review the DVD <laughs> like every single day, back and forth. Uh, I wish back that to happened back. to me. Yeah. <laughs> Mine was frozen <laughs> until she broke it. That's funny. It was a long two and a half years. <laughs> funny. Wally is one of those soundtracks that obviously if you've seen Wally, you know that there's absolutely no dialogue in that movie for probably 60 percent of the of the beginning of right. that film. Yeah. Um, the the film completely communicates in sound effects and soundtrack, mm-hmm. which uh, which is, you know, it's, it's phenomenal. You know, when when people throw around the word cinema, I think uh, a lot of people uh, misinterpret that meaning. Um, I think cinema is is how the creatives, um, the filmmakers communicate through through all the senses, whether it's a combined, um, you know, sense 
mm-hmm. um, or the emotion that is conveyed through the visuals. And I think cinema, uh, Wally is definitely up there when it comes to how it communicates cinematically. Mm-hmm. Um, because like I said, there's no dialogue. There's, there's just music and sound effects and uh, the characters on screen. And I think, uh, you know, if you haven't seen Wally, you know, I know it's a, an animated feature, but it is uh, such a, uh, a breath of fresh air when it comes to, to science fiction. Um, you can't go wrong with a movie like that. And, you know, Pixar was very good about that, too, because all their movies, they they were all about the different aspects of these characters like toys or, you know, he was a robot. And, you know, even um, there was another one that, I, that popped into my head. Um, what was the emotion ones movie? I can't remember what it was called. But, oh, yeah. Um, Feelings? No. I know what you're talking about, though. Yeah. I know. They're coming out with a new one. Yeah. <laughs> I know that because they're adding anxiety to the list. But the one thing is that that was that human emotion of, of understanding that these characters are, you know, just wanting to be more human or just wanting to understand one another, or, you know, that empathy and things like that. So. Pixar was just always cars, like cars, for goodness sake, sure. like they're cars, but yeah. like you felt for <laughs> these characters, Absolutely. right? You know, like, you know, for, for Doc Holliday, I was all like, oh man, that's a sad story, but it was, it's, I'm talking about a car, but even the music, like you said, it pulls you in and it makes you just, you know, feel for these characters. So yeah, Absolutely. Wally is a very, very good one. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Classified. All right, what's uh, what's next on your list? All right, so my number three. So this is a movie I have never seen, okay. but I know at least a, a couple of the songs on here, and it's Inception. Oh yeah, and of course it's from Hans Zimmer, which we've already mentioned because he did Twenty Forty Nine. But man, he invokes emotion in his music, like I can, I, and I've heard a lot of composers in my time but there's just something about his where like you can hear or even see the movie in your mind just by hearing his music it's telling the story And that's what I loved about it. Now, like I said, I've seen like bits and pieces of Inception, but like like the song Time. It's, 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 it's long and it's a very, you know, it has a long beats in a lot of it, but you feel it. And that's what I like to, I have to feel the music and that's one of them. And I, and I, I thoroughly enjoy, enjoy it a lot. Absolutely. And it's, uh, yeah. it's interesting that you have not seen the movie, but you uh, are um, liking the soundtrack. It is one of my husband's favorites. Yeah. Uh, it's directed by Christopher Nolan. Um, is, that a, is that a Nolan film? I think. I believe so. Yeah, I think so too. Because typically Nolan and and Zimmer are <laughs> yeah, hand it, in hand. Right. So. 
funny story when Christopher Nolan was uh, was in Chicago shooting The Dark Knight. He mm-hmm. he uh, from afar, from down the street, he would see. So we have drawbridges in Chicago downtown, and yeah. and the drawbridges you know lift up, and from from down the street, from a distance. It seems like the city is folding in on itself, and that oh, he he claims that that is the uh, that's where he got the idea for um, for his the movie that he did after the Dark Knight. Um, and uh, was it? Uh, it's a, it's a, yeah, 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 yeah. No, that makes sense. That that totally makes sense. Like I said, I've seen bits and pieces about it, um, but yeah, that that. That counts. Okay. <laughs> that, that tracks. There we go. Yeah. But it, it I, I just Googled it just to double check. Yeah, it is a Christopher Nolan movie. Yeah, absolutely. One, so, of, one of my favorite directors for sure. Yeah, yeah, for sure. All right. Next on my list, uh, speaking of The Goat, um, I do have John Williams on my list. I, I feel like uh, I, I would be doing a disservice to science fiction <laughs> nerds everywhere if I didn't at least have something John Williams related. Um, I'm going to say uh, E.T. Yeah. So, uh, 1983 or 84, I think. Um, think so. Yeah. But, um, you know, ET in parentheses, I have Jurassic park too, is also John Williams, but either Mm -hmm. of the two, um, you know, I'll I'll go with ET because again, you know, we talked about how John Williams kind of, uh, creates these certain themes that invoke such strong emotions. I think, you know, the, uh, the film ET also has, you know, uh, strong emotions by itself. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. ET phone home, he's trapped on, on the planet. He crash landed and he just wants to get back to, to, you know, back home. Yeah. Um, but, uh, you know, the music definitely, uh, carries the emotion forward. And mm-hmm. that is, uh, you know, that is John Williams' specialty, I think, in all the scores that he has, uh, you know, composed throughout his career. Um, God bless that man. Oh, yeah, for sure. We were blessed to have him in our in our generations, multiple generations. Absolutely. Um, quick question. Name some other notable composers from some of your other favorite movies that maybe are either on your uh honorable mentions or or maybe you know in retrospect now that we've already started you might have thought of some other composers or other situations oh you know it's it's funny that was an, one composer that i was thinking of and i couldn't remember his name but he did um oh shoot I'm probably going to remember after this recording. Yeah. Usually that's the case. That's always how it happens. I do want to give a shout out to the multiple different ones from Star Trek. Oh yeah. Which, which I will, I will get into later on because Star Trek does make my list, but for, you know, for instance, Jeff Russo. Okay. Who did season one and season two of Picard.
definitely went a completely different route when it came to doing the show because, you know, with the Star Trek themes, they're kind of the same, but not right. They tell the different story, but, you know, you could hear a little bit of OG or next generation, however you want to put it. But he decided to go to a completely different route to make Picard its own. Right. And that one was very, you know, it was beautiful in its own sense. Like you wouldn't think it was a sci-fi show when you mm-hmm. heard his music playing out, but like, like every soundtrack it tells a story so i think he would be a good person to give an honorable mention to in that aspect even though i'm not a huge fan i actually like season one i'm not a huge fan of season two not his fault but his music (laughs) was great and it helped you know follow along with the story and things like that it made it more enjoyable even though you know there was certain aspects in season two that i just didn't understand but you know that helped. Yeah, absolutely. And it's funny because um, being a fan of The Next Generation in the 90s, um, I think I watched The Next Generation uh, before jumping back into maybe going back and watching the films of Star mm-hmm. Trek, you know, yeah. um, of the old uh, crew. And one thing that I didn't realize at the time is, uh, you know, listening to the main theme of Star Trek The Next Generation, it's uh, – it's present in Star Trek, the motion picture. Yes, it is. Um, you know, they, they totally skipped it in some of the other movies, but it, right. it's there in in uh, in the motion picture, which is kind of cool. Well, it was funny because when I was just watching, I just saw the Star Trek films for the first time, the OG ones. And when the movie came on, I was like, that's the next generation. Yeah, right. I was like, yeah. wait a second. And then I had to like Google it. I mean, I'm still learning like all this information. <laughs> I was all like, what the heck? But and then it was like, oh, no, they used it and they decided to keep it and everything. Now they had this completely different idea to use a, a, a different um, main theme for the next generation and they just didn't feel like it worked and they felt that you know it was a what was it, it was james horner's version yeah. uh just worked really well sure and, uh, and and it did and so i was like that is so interesting but yeah i <laughs> can you uh you want so confused yeah totally you want to hum it with me what Oh. The theme. Ready? Three. The next generation. Three. Yes. Yes. Ready? Here we go. Three, <laughs> two, one, and. There you go. next-gen shirt. I was like, I better get this right. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to lose my other card. I've already lost one. I can't lose another. Oh, my goodness. Oh, too funny. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. All right. So we are uh, almost done here, but uh, my fourth movie, or is it your turn? I think it's is it your well, turn. Well, I did my, I did number three. Did you do number three? Yes. Tra- E.T. So it's actually, e. it is so your turn. Not number two. Yeah, there yeah, we go. So We're at you number are, two. So I'm going to continue on to the Nolan and Zimmer uh, yes. partnership. Again, never saw this movie, but I know this soundtrack. Oh, wow. <laughs> Interstellar. Oh, Interstellar. Yeah. And I'm telling you, that whole movie like soundtrack is is a story in itself.
daughter, uh, she she's she's loved to play music and she plays the violin, but she also likes to play the piano. And all of a sudden, one day, I heard her doing, and it's just a few notes, right, for the for the main theme. And I heard her playing. I was like, "What is that? Why am I here in the cellar?" And I remember going out, and I just <laughs> see her playing it on the piano. I was like. When did you learn this? She's like, I just learned it right now. And I was like, what? Wow. <laughs> I was so proud of her. Um, but yeah, it's just one of those songs. Like if you hear a, a John Williams song, you know what movie it's from, right? right? This one, you instantly know the scene. You instantly know what's happening. You can see the characters. It's funny though, because usually you you'll get that connection after seeing the movie. How do you get the connection without seeing the movie? Without seeing the movie, that's yeah. a very good question because I've never seen it. The thing is, is that I know the concept of the movie. I know what it's about. My husband's a fan, so obviously I know a little bit about it. But I can just kind of understand just what's happening. And I remember seeing a clip. Uh, from the movie because I think I was looking up the soundtrack and the clip showed up and I was all like, Oh, this is almost as how much I imagined in my head that was happening. It was happening on screen. Wow. So I was like, Hey, this worked. Yeah. <laughs> he he was like right on point. So even though I hadn't seen the movie, I like totally knew where he was going with the story. If that makes sense. Wow. But um, yeah, it, it's such a brilliantly done done soundtrack you know for for that kind of a uh, that kind of movie wow i and i gotta ask you to come back to the show after you've seen these movies that you've never seen <laughs> where, uh uh you know you've never seen these movies um because you know we talked about the 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 soundtracks evoking emotion you've got emotion without seeing the movie i i can't imagine <laughs> what it's going to be like if you actually see the movie with the soundtrack that you're already connected to <laughs> I should probably do, you know, we should probably do like a, what was it? First time watch live. Yeah. <laughs> see how, see what happens. Yeah. No, it'll, it'll I mean, just be like uh, Matthew McConaughey crying. Like he did in uh space. Yeah. <laughs> there we go. There we go. That's how I imagined it in yeah. my mind when I was hearing the music, but I think that's where music is just so important. Yeah. You know, absolutely. right there. It just, it tells its own story. Movies would not be good without the, those those soundtracks. Absolutely, yeah, it would be different. Uh, you know, one of the horror stories in soundtrack mismatch is uh, the movie from, I think it was nineteen eighty two, Lady Hawk with Matthew Broderick. It was a it was a, a fantasy movie, very much like in the vein of Willow, but they used okay. uh, they used modern eighties music like rock. Oh. Instead of like the grand sweeping orchestral moves so of, of a fantasy, it didn't go cool like Guardians of the Galaxy. <laughs> no, no, anything but. It didn't work. No, okay, it didn't work at all. Um, a young uh, Matthew Broderick, and I forgot who. Uh, I think uh, Rutger Hauer is in that, and mm -hmm. um, yeah, talking about uh, Blade Runner. But uh, you know, some of the uh, other honorable mentions, I, I, I would like to uh, shout out uh, Ludwig Göransson from The Mandalorian. Oh yes, yes, um, yes. You know, getting down to the to the small screen on Star Wars, I think he has created a very unique theme for The Mandalorian. It's very mm -hmm. organic, um, and I know 
you know, they were going for a Western kind of feel. And obviously there are certain themes yeah. in that show that, uh, that really, um, really, you know, hammer that point home. I think one yeah. of the, one of the themes too, that is my favorite in that show is, uh, when Boba Fett showed up, there's a certain aspect to that, uh, that beginning music of, of the, of uh, Boba Fett's appearance in mm -hmm. uh, Mandalorian before we get to see what happened to him in, in the book of Boba Fett. Again, it's a it's a raw, dynamic, organic sound that uh, yeah. that he used that really conveyed the character of Boba Fett and the Mandalorian. Um, mm -hmm. Obviously, that you know the two being slightly related, but it's um, it it's uh, it definitely deserves an honorable mention. I know it's not a movie per se, but uh, you know, based on a uh, you know Star Wars as a series, I think it's great. Oh, I agree. I agree, and I think it also did you know. You know it's Star Wars, but you know it's not like sure. the Star Wars movies. Yeah. So I think that's what he did really well is to keep it separate, but then you know where it's coming from. Absolutely. Yeah. I do want to say that I did figure out who that other composer was that I couldn't remember. Danny Elfman. Oh, there. There you go. Yeah. There it is. Right there. I'm a Tim Burton fan. So I was all like, I know it's in my head. But yeah, Danny Elfman definitely knew, you know, knows how to, again, invoke emotion. We're just all... We're all getting in the feels here today, guys. Again, another one of those uh, composers that uh, you can really tell uh, when you're listening to a Danny Elfman soundtrack. Yeah, especially because you know, we're talking about partnerships, right? So like Steven Spielberg and, and John Williams and you know uh, Christopher Nolan with Hans Zimmer. This is that whole Tim Burton and Danny Elfman collaboration that works. Yeah, and absolutely. So, you know, because he did Batman and he did um, – was my favorite movie, uh, Nightmare Before Christmas, you know – Again, it's telling the story, but it's a little, but that one's very fantasy dark side, right? Which I enjoy, sure. <laughs> but it's still not like creepy, scary kind of thing. It's, it's very emotional in that sense. And so I, they always played that very, very well. So yes, Danny Elfman for the win. So one, a quick question. You know, we've been talking about composers uh, all night long, um, but they're all men. What's up with the uh, with the female composers? That is a very good question. But, you know, I do want to give a shout out and I'm going to Google her real fast because I cannot say her name correctly. <laughs> well, I'm like I said, I cannot find her on here real fast, but I believe she did the. Um, Strange New Worlds. Oh, okay. Yes. Nami Melumad, I want to okay. say. Cool. So cool. the theme, of course, came from um, Jeff Russo, but she created the music for the entire like season. And so, you know, different episodes and things like that. And I believe she was nominated for an Emmy I want to say. So, yeah, we don't hear very much about female composers. So it was so nice to see sure. there was a female composer doing Star Trek. Yeah. And, you know, we had mentioned about like Gates McFadden was one of the very first women to direct a Star Trek 
show. That's cool. Which yeah. kind of paved the way for, um, I can't, again, it's a, I can't remember her name, but she played Belana in Voyager. She also directed a bunch of episodes. Uh, and so, you oh, know. Something Torres. No, yeah. well, that, no, that's her character name. Yeah, Belana Torres is her yeah, character's yeah. name. Yeah, yeah. But it's funny. I should <laughs> so remember. Close. I should remember because I had a, a huge crush on her when it, when she was I on. I think it was Dawson. Is her last name Dawson? Yes, it is Dawson. Okay. okay. Something so Dawson. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. But she directed a few episodes and things like that. And now we have female directors and um, writers and stuff like that in the in the current shows. And so I was like, all right, great. We're, we're paving the way. So to see Nami come out and create beautiful music that she did for Strange New Worlds, it was awesome. Uh, it was very refreshing to, to, to see that now, you know, come out. So what Ro- were your composers? Ro- uh, Roxanne Dawson. Roxanne Dawson. Alana Torres. Yes. Big there crush. Big crush on her. Um, <laughs> I just like uh, ladies with alien foreheads. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> I did do some research um, on obviously on, on female composers and, and I've got two uh, uh, actually two of my favorite, you know, I, I love listening to music, but I don't really, sometimes I don't do a complete, you know, look up to see who is composing the music. Obviously, right. you know, on the star Wars end, we've got Natalie Holt who did uh, the Kenobi series. Um, and, um, we also have, uh, the composer. She is a two-time Grammy winning golden globe, primetime Emmy Academy award, 2020, uh, composer. And there's absolutely no way I can pronounce her name, but it's Hilder Gutengottendotter or Hilder Gutnadotter. Something like that. Something like that. That but, sounds um, good. She, uh, she's all. She also. She did we'll the. She did the Joker. And <gasps> she did a movie. Wow. With, uh, she did a um, kind of a, a an indep- not really independent, but kind of a sleeper hit uh, starring Kate Blanchett called Tar. Yeah, it's it wasn't one of those commercially viable like let's release it everywhere kind of movies. It's okay. a it's a biopic of uh, of, of uh, yeah. I mean, anything that she's in is is pretty phenomenal. Um, she's right. a, an amazing actress, and another um, female composer named Rachel Portman, um, and Pinar Toprak. She uh, she actually sent in an audition tape to disney she hired her own 70 piece orchestra and wow. and created a, a a quick little audition tape and they liked it so much that they hired her to do captain marvel wow yeah talk That's about insane. uh talk about initiative but right. uh, <laughs> that'll show them kids I know. Them lazy kids. Come on. I know. Um, she also has uh, done music for the game Fortnite. So that is uh, that is her claim to fame awesome. prior to Captain Marvel. But okay. um, kids will know who she is. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Not my kid. She never got into Fortnite. <laughs> she was like, nope, staying away. And I'm like, all right, that's fine. That's too funny. <sighs> all right. So um, I've got two more. So number two on my list and, um, you know, getting back to, uh, you know, we were talking about the, um, the, the punkish nature of, uh, Vangelis music in Blade Runner. One mm-hmm. of my top films, uh, one of my top science fiction films really is, uh, Tron, 
the original Tron, but I'm going to I'm going to feature uh, Daft Punk in Tron Legacy for my number two. husband would agree yeah you see he's he you know loves, what he, you got to bring him on the show one time because i bought him a vinyl of daft punk he yeah. loves daft punk and he loves tron and so yeah no i swear these are his people i don't these, know why yep. he's like yeah, exactly uh my wife worked in the business in the music business for for years and uh she worked with uh with them so it's it's too bad that they split up yeah 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 but, uh, you know, the soundtrack for Tron is so visceral to me, um, obviously, you know, coupled with the visuals of the movie, um, the beats, the, the electronic nature. I mean, everything kind of fits together in that film like a glove. It's, it's a mm-hmm. perfect puzzle. And Daft Punk, I mean, the music definitely is, you know, we talk about the music and soundtracks being a character of its own. Um, the music in Tron is definitely, you know, one For of sure. those. Yeah. Especially because Daft Punk is so unique in their own way as it is. Yeah. So, I mean, they're just perfect for that movie. Exactly. Like, it fit like a glove. Absolutely. Absolutely. So we are getting to the uh, the light at the end of the proverbial tunnel. Um, <laughs> our top five science fiction soundtracks, uh, according to us. I'll do a little drum roll here for you. Your number one, according to you. What do you got? Okay. So. Wait, first of all, I, and I got to ask you first, did you see the movie? <laughs> Yes. All right. All right. Okay. Good. Like I said, the only two on my list was Inception and Interstellar. I've seen clips, but I can't say like I've seen the movie and under you know. Um, but this one isn't a movie. Oh, it's not a movie. Wow. It is a television show. Yes. Well, streaming show. I guess it's not really television. But I picked Star Trek: Picard season three. When you want to talk about telling a story like Interstellar with with Hans Zimmer, that is exactly what Stephen Barton and Frederick Weidman did. Mm-hmm. You can every single song that they produced and composed was perfect for every single scene and episode of that. So when you're going through the entire soundtrack, you're literally li- like you're imagining the show in your in your mind, like when you're going through it. Yeah.
Specifically, I wanted to point out was with, I mean, for one, they created a song that's called Beverly Crusher. So they're definitely going to be number one on my list. But two, when they did like the song Dominion, and I remember Terry Metalis had tweeted this out. He went, when you watch the episode tomorrow, there is a song that I believe Frederick composed this. He's like, it is beautiful. You're going to love it. And so I remember him saying that. So I was like, oh, I wonder what it was. Instantly, I hear the piano because typically that's not something that you start off with. You hear like strings and all that stuff. I heard the piano. I was like, this is it. And it was seven minutes long, but it is a beautiful piece. And I play it all the time, especially because you're, you know, there's this one part where I think um, uh, Rafi got onto the ship and she starts fighting them with her. So, and you could hear that part. I was like, Oh, I know that scene. And that's my, that's my favorite part. Rafi's kicking butt. It's just amazing. And then there's these three songs back to back, which was like the last generation where it all began and missing part of me. It's all one full story. It's all like, Beverly having to make the sacrifice of, of having to, you know, say, yes, we're going to have to kill them in order to save everybody. And then going down to Picard and going all this. And you're and it's just so much emotion. And of course, the actors played it out that way. So then it's even more emotional when you're watching it. think they did a brilliant job they even you know they took a lot of jerry goldsmith they took a lot of james horner they even took a little bit of maybe even jeff russo and they compiled it all together to create one full final story with their their songs and so i definitely had to give them the number one spot for that because i typically don't buy a lot of soundtracks i love certain songs and things that i won't buy the whole soundtrack but mm. i bought this one oh, and wow. it was because yeah and it was just because it was brilliantly done um so yeah, one of my favorites though is get off my get off my bridge. And there's a yeah. part where it's like I can't listen to it driving because all of a sudden I'm like in the zone and I'm like I accidentally start speeding because of the way that they're going. <laughs> I'm yeah. like, well, I better slow down. Right. I gotta Four do factor this. nine. It's, exactly. It's getting me in the zone and, and I don't want to get a ticket. Yeah. Um I've got, no. I've got a couple of soundtracks that, that I do that too with. I got to back off a little. <laughs> You're like, whoops. Yeah, it's it's just one of those moments, but it is a really good soundtrack. So that's my number one. Very nice. Very nice. Um, some uh, some of our followers or listeners might say that you cheated um, and not picking uh -oh. a, a movie, <laughs> picking a series. But um, no, absolutely. Soundtrack. Yeah, that's, that's yeah, there you go. I didn't specify movies, guys. You did not. No. It was implied, but that's okay. <laughs> I'm going to have to go back and listen to the soundtrack because uh, you mentioned something that I find very interesting and, uh, you know, credit to the composers on, on the show uh, to be able to kind of take the best of of Trek from the past, including yep. TNG and obviously mm -hmm. its roots in the motion picture. And then kind of, you know, utilizing all those themes to to a almost a, uh, um, 
a masterful grand finale, you know, mm-hmm. for the most part, because really, you know, obviously we're going to get more Star Trek, but, you know, really this is kind of the the, um, the, the cherry on top when it comes to the next right. generation, um, you know, series, um, you know, leading into a, an actual next generation of Star Trek. Yes. And they and they didn't even just stop there. There was a little bit of DS9. There was a little bit of Voyager yeah. in there sprinkled in. And so you're watching the scene and all of a sudden you're like, oh, that's the Voyager theme. But it's not the Voyager theme, right? right? It's a different. But you sure. can hear it. It's it, you know, brought some people were like. I was just moved to tears. As long as that. as long as nobody's saying it's been a long time. <laughs> that was not in there. No, there. <laughs> that's for Jesse, by the way. <laughs> he loves that song. Oh, that's uh. too funny. <laughs> it's been a long road. Getting from that. <laughs> My number one is your number five, and our uh, lists were flip flop there. Nice. Um, but um, yeah, we already talked about Vangelis and Blade Runner, but I think for me, Blade Runner is uh, is number one. Um, again, for all the reasons that we talked about, it is a fantastic movie. Um, it's a staple for anyone that uh, you know claims to be a science fiction fan for sure. Right. Um, you know, taken from. Uh, the uh, novel regarding sheep and dreaming of electric sheep or whatever, but uh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Fantastic. Well, um, this has been quite a journey through mm. uh, the uh, science fiction soundtrack discussion. Um, I had a blast. What about you? I loved it. I do want to give my one honorable mention that came from my husband because uh, I was discussing this with him to try and help me out. Pick my pick my five. And he mentioned The Fifth Element. OK, yeah. You know, it's it's one of those movies. I'm, I'm not even sure, you know, because there's a lot of singing and this and that. But it's such a good movie. Yeah. Very futuristic, but funny. I mean, it's just one of those great feel good movies and just how and, and the story. Is, is amazing how the, how they did that. So that shout outs for my husband because he was all like, the fifth element needs to be on the list. I was like, honorable mention. Absolutely. <laughs> I'll throw yeah. that in there. Well, Jesse, this has been a fantastic discussion, a wonderful show, uh, a discussion on our top five science fiction soundtracks. And um, this has been phenomenal. This was lots of fun. Like I said, I love to geek out about music. So if you want to do music again, just hit me up. I'll be back. Excellent. Excellent. Why don't you tell the uh, listeners who are still hanging on to Dear Life where people can find you to say hello there. All right. Well, they can find my podcast, Crusher Convo, over at Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, Threads. We're trying Blue Sky. We'll see how that works. Um, but yeah, we're just, you know, deep diving the next generation from the eyes of Beverly Crusher. So if you like Star Trek, just hit us up and hopefully you'll like it. 
Excellent, excellent. Yeah, go uh, go give uh, go give Jesse a follow and listen to their show. And uh, I'm definitely going to have you back. We just got to think of a topic and then uh, keep yeah. the conversation going. Absolutely. Excellent. Um, thank you, everybody, for joining us on this episode of the Scare Scuttlebutt Podcast. If you have your own list, want to contribute to the discussion, give us a call at the Scare Scuttlebutt Hotline. That is 773-234-8659 or shoot me an email at scarescuttlebutt at gmail.com. We are part of the Red 5 Network, a wonderful collaboration of content creators. Uh, look for the rest of the Red 5 family at bio.link slash red5. And uh, pick and choose from uh, all the wonderful content that uh, that is out there. This is Ro. That's Jesse. Until next time, that is the Scuttlebutt. Talk to you guys later. Later.